0: Hey everyone, it's Michael here with GoodyBeater.com. Welcome to a breaking audio update. I'm joined on the phone today by Mercy Pilkington, and we're going to talk about Harlequin getting bought out by HarperCollins, which is owned by News Corp. Mercy, how's it going? Going great. Great. So this is probably one of the largest deals that we've heard in quite some time, and we're living in a world of mass consolidation. I mean, uh, Penguin Random House was probably the biggest merger uh, in the publishing industry in our time, and this is almost a close second. What are your thoughts about uh, the overall deal?
1: You know, that's an interesting correlation you just made, because when Penguin Random House merged, even... Even taking into account the fact that Random House stayed out of the ebook price-fixing scandal and Penguin was, you know, considered to be one of the spearheads of it, no one foretold the gloom and doom of publishing. Um, no one said, "Oh, here, you know, we've got companies who are having to consolidate, you know, even to stay in business." And we're already hearing discussion that Harlequin's revenues are down, or that they're having some trouble, and they're joining forces with HarperCollins. If we look at the flip side of that, what we're actually seeing is a complete leveraging on the part of HarperCollins. As we know, Harlequin has a global footprint and HarperCollins does not. And so I think this is a pretty smart move. And I don't think it has anything to do with one company or the other struggling to stay afloat.
0: Yeah, so Harlequin uh, is... 34 languages and sold in 100 international markets. So they, needless to say, I mean, their their international footprint is huge, whereas about 99% of all of Harper, uh, HarperCollins uh, titles are in English. So you could almost see this move as, you know, they wanted to get their contacts, they want to get their distribution, uh, you know, uh, contact network, they want to get their translators on the ball so they could start marketing uh, Harper Collins books outside of like the core English demographic. And I think that Har- uh, Harlequin's assets could be very valuable to them.
1: Absolutely. And just, I mean, even just the one thing you just mentioned, the translation, a lot of people, a lot of readers and consumers do not understand what goes into translation. It's not enough anymore just to find someone who's a native speaker in a language or who's experienced even for a self-published author who wants to explore translation of a single title you're looking at easily fifteen thousand dollars per language And just yesterday, I was talking to another person in the publishing industry who said, we're also now seeing a breakdown in English versus American. And it's not those little nuances and idioms and stuff like that. It's maintaining the tone of the actual characters. It's not as simple as Google Translate. So I think you're right. I think HarperCollins is going to stand to benefit in a huge way from Harlequin's resources in the translation department alone. So, Harlequin
0: sees uh, 25% of their total sales uh, stem from ebooks and they have uh, a lot of imprints. They have their self-publishing imprint, Karina Press, but they also have the Harlequin, Harlequin Teen, Harlequin Mira, uh, Harlequin HQN, and a lot of these things were launched in 2013, but they really haven't published a lot of books, and... Um, I know. In a recent podcast I did with uh, Jeremy Greenfield of Digital Book World, he actually spoke with uh, the Harlequin CEO, and he said that um, at the time, that romance readers uh, are early adopters of digital. So it was a lot of the early adoption in ebooks were with romance readers and and romance writers, and and getting involved in um, the whole ebook revolution. And a lot of it was, you know instigated by like erotica and then like romance and things like that but it seems as though that um, Harlequin was kind of struggling to find those next generation uh, romance writers with the assets that they had. Uh, They were finding that because erotica and romance is so ahead of the curve that a lot of them were self-publishing because they can actually make more money than they could actually being published traditionally through a company like Harlequin and this was hurting Harlequin's you know business and so they were having to resort to sponsoring contests with Wattpad saying that you know if you enter our contest we'll sign a few writers you know and you can actually get a book publishing deal and to someone who's never been published before having being offered a a publishing deal with Harlequin sounds pretty sweet.
1: It does, and yeah, you know, I want to make one tiny little distinction. Karina um, Press actually, it's not their self-publishing; it's their ebook only, and so uh. you still had to go through that process of being vetted and approved and submitted. You've got Karina Press authors; you still have to have agents to submit their work for them, and so those agents are taking fifteen percent of the author's net royalty. So you're right; you're talking about a serious amount of money then I can just self-publish it, especially if I know my audience is already there. And as we know from sites like Smashwords and their blog coming out about the number of best-selling authors on their sites, being predominantly women, uh, we know that the fans are there, and so basically they don't have to go looking in a bookstore or through a publishing house to find great reads. It's everywhere, and so yeah, I think all these authors looked around and said, you know, gr- you know, it's great that Karina started this digital revolution, and yes, the romance authors, I'm sorry, romance fans jumped on board. But they were very quick to discover that they did not need the industry. So I, I really think the romance authors were the first ones to jump ship and maybe go hybrid, uh, You know, have some lines of characters that they carry through their publishers, but also have the ones that they sell themselves and make full royalties on. And so I can see this being a difficult time to be a romance publisher with the sheer amount of access to content out there
0: so this is no small deal it's worth a 455 million dollars in cash and this is basically used to uh, pay out the initial investors of Harlequin to give management executives a little bit of a a cash float for being so invested in the company over the years there's a lot of people that are going to be using this as well as shareholders and things like that maybe being paid out in dividends Uh, but Harlequin will continue to be based in Toronto but a lot of their um, Uh, management will likely be floated around to HarperCollins uh, head offices uh, in New York and other key markets as well Um, so Mercy do you think that this deal will uh, give Harlequin once they're officially a part of News Corp and, and HarperCollins expanded assets to be able to continue you know to be published and to continue to be viable in today's climate
1: Absolutely. Um, Like I said, we've we've got the potential there. We've got Harlequin able to increase its verticals with HarperCollins and take on projects and new things. We've also got HarperCollins able to leverage itself off just the sheer amount of experience and contacts that Harlequin will provide. And uh, Chris, i got to harp on the fact that, you know, goody readers out of Vancouver... Mercy Pilkington does not live in Canada. You're talking Canadian dollars. So this deal is actually a little more lucrative for, for the American reader, readers and, and listeners. Um, so this is actually a tremendous amount of money.
0: All right. So this deal obviously is subject to regulatory approval. But seen as though that uh, the whole Penguin uh, Random House deal got uh, signed, um this is considered a minor deal you know when you look at those two publishing juggernauts joined forces so i don't see any reason why this won't go uh through do you think that uh you know when it comes to leveraging harlequin's assets how likely is it do you think that uh indie authors or people that publish with uh you know, uh, Harlequin, that will be able to see maybe expanded distribution or maybe more of a promotional engine behind them uh, due to this deal?
1: One of the things that I would fear, I do hope this is not going to result in really talented romance authors not being accepted by Harlequin. Um, I really hope this is not, you know, we've, we've got this idea that, you know, they've taken new authors. Harlequin loves debut authors and they love offering something brand new to romance fans. And so I really hope that joining forces with HarperCollins does not make them a little more reluctant or maybe feeling a pressure of producing numbers rather than taking a risk on an author. So where indie authors are concerned, I hope nothing changes for them in their ability to submit great manuscripts and, and get this publication going. Um, for HarperCollins, of course, what I really hope happens, you know, Harlequin has a stable of over thirteen hundred authors. I really hope this helps those authors with their crossover work. We see a lot of indie authors, you know, who, here's my romance title, here's my young adult title, I've decided to write a a mystery. And we even see that in some of the really big-name traditionally published authors, like Stephen King, Nora Roberts, different people who have a persona where they get to write as someone else and explore other genres. J.K. Rowling, a
0: a prime example.
1: There you go. And so I hope this opens that door to those existing and new Harlequin authors where, you know, maybe if I if I wrote a mystery, it's not a romance anymore, so to speak, but Harlequin can pass me around the corner to the right person in HarperCollins. I'm already a vetted and producing author for this company, so maybe they can let those authors explore other avenues that's a fine
0: point for sure and I don't think a lot of people probably have considered that because the crossover uh, phenomenon is huge you know once you get pigeonholed into being uh, an author that just writes a specific genre sometimes you want to branch out if not you know for your own well-being but you know to get a new base of you know, readers that maybe just read a specific genre and, you know, they might give you a try, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. So this deal is... Absolutely huge, and we've given you the breaking news update on mainly the semantics behind uh, the entire initiative. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can drop it uh, in the comments section below. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, tune in SoundHound or a myriad of other sources. Uh, check out GoodieReader.com and look for the breaking news audio updates. Uh, we'll be talking about this hopefully again pretty soon with a number of authors that have actually published with Harlequin, so to stay tuned for the site for that. Uh, Mercy, any final
1: thoughts? Um, basically, just that I'm excited to see what they put out. I love to see mergers like this because it means they're keeping things fresh, they're using their resources and funds wisely, and I think this is going to be good for publishing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that overall, um, I, I see these two companies relatively operating as normal. Even if you look at, at Penguin and Random Hosts right now, you know, they still have all the same divisions. They have the same, you know. They had, they had all the existing infrastructure. Nothing, real. No departments have really been merged officially yet. So, and this is like a, a year or two later after the deal. So, I, I really foresee it being like business is normal at least for the next few years before any departments start merging. Uh, my name is Michael. I've spoken with Mercy Pilkington of GoodyReader.com. Everybody, take care.